This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High high. He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, frankly, it's over! The Red Sox have won the world championship! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 157th edition of the Benny and the Bets podcast, covering Boston Red Sox baseball, if you want to call it that. For everyone staying up late tonight on Periscope, the podcast, as always, can be found on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and the link to our Apple Podcast feed can be found right above your video window. Red Sox are wrapping up a four-game set against the New York Yankees. They've officially, as of this very moment, lost three in a row, well on their way uh, to getting swept tonight barring a miracle which at least one of my co-hosts probably doesn't believe in (laughs) i am terry cushman and i'm joined as always by jeremy schilling and matt clark how annoyed are you guys i'm not uh, annoyed at all because this is what i expected yeah, I think you and I sided on uh, losing three out of four, and uh, Matt looks like we're going to get swept. Matt I mean, used so, okay. the correct keyword when he said uh, "sweep," but wrong team uh, got the brooms out. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, pretty ugly. Um, thought it lined up well on paper. Unfortunately, they don't play games on paper, and the Red Sox have quit and got smashed. So, looks pretty bad so far. I heard, I think it was Matt Vaskirjan on ESPN say that after we lose tonight's game, if it goes down that way, we will have lost one more game than we did in all of 2018. That's... Yes, that is correct. I saw that as well. With 48 games to go, uh, they've now lost more games than they did in all of 2018. What's the floor here? I mean, are we headed to below 500, or do we get a grip at some point? I think, I think the floor is potentially less than 81 wins. I... I, I especially because the way this thing's going in a week, we could legitimately be 10 games out of the wild card too. And at that point you would think guys like Pierce Moreland, uh, 
maybe even some of the bullpen guys, the established guys that have underwhelmed are, are going to be either DFA'd or, or fake DL'd or whatever it is to get once the roster's open uh, or on the uh, first. Uh, they didn't change that rule, did they? Well, I think as of this past offseason, you can only add one more player after September 1st. Or I could be wrong. Yeah. Maybe it's... Well, regardless, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you probably have five spots in this ro- on the on the Major League roster that are going to turn over to younger guys. So Moreland, gone. Pierce, gone. Uh, you know... Who, who, you know, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe I, I think they still see Leon in the plans, but maybe not. Uh, certainly, um, you know, they're going to shut down a Valdi, a potentially Kashner. Um, you know, they, they may even shut down sale. They may shut down price with fake DL stints in September to, to save and preserve them for 2020. And in which case you, you may be looking at a 20 loss September if you're out of it. So, to say that the bottom is, you know, 81 and 81, I think is potentially short-sighted. I think it could be much worse than that. Um, and and if they are 10 games out of a wild card or eight or six or what, you know, I mean, probably got to be within five. I, I would think that that would be the smart and prudent, you know, business decision by the Red Sox to, to save and preserve veteran talent and let some of these younger guys see if they got some something in them. So if that does happen, I mean that they may not win any games. To that point, uh, I don't know if we caught that they actually um, promoted Bobby Dahlbach to Pawtucket uh, just yesterday, I believe it was. So it it looks like they're already kind of making some of those plans to get some of these younger guys up that they didn't want to trade at the deadline. Um, And and those are going to be the guys that they're taking a good hard look at at the end of the year, uh, just to see where they're at with them. Yeah, I just, I think the floor definitely is below uh, 81 games, which is 500. And, um, you know, Jeremy, a lot of the factors you listed could very well uh, play a factor in that. But, I mean, they're just a bad baseball team right now, regardless of, what roster moves end up being made, they're just, I mean, we're the number one offense, so it's hard to say that the the bats have quit, but the pitching has, and I don't know what the post-game interview for David Price is going to be like tonight, um, but the, the pitching staff just isn't locked in, and Getting into, uh, we'll do zeros tonight. Obviously, there's no point in doing heroes. Um, so, Jeremy, go ahead, get into Chris Sale because I wanna, I wanna talk about him and as well as his start uh, on uh, Saturday. So, what, what were your well, thoughts? As as an aside, and as a you know, kind of a lead in here. My first zero, my choice was Matt Clark, friend <laughs> of the program, yeah. um, for his pathetic uh, take slash um, thought process going into what was obviously going to be an evisceration. 
unfortunately, Terrence uh, trumped me and said that you have to pick an actual active member of the Boston Red Sox. So I guess I got to go with Chris Sale, who sucks. Um, and I've already kind of led into it, which is he's been so bad. He's been the biggest problem. I think he's been the biggest factor between being a good team and a bad team. Whereas if, I think if you just take Chris Sale off the team this year and put on Chris Sale last year or Chris Sale two years ago, I think this team is I, – I, this, there's a stat out there like it would be about an 11-game swing, and that would put you into the wild card. So uh, he's been absolutely brutal. After Erod lost, they, they desperately, desperately, desperately needed him. And this is how he – performed in that big moment three and two-thirds innings nine hits eight runs all earned zero walks four strikeouts two home runs the zra is just under five runs it's just it's it's pathetic it is pathetic and at this point it's just an eye roll situation because everyone's i mean you you can't say anything but i wasn't good enough i mean i guess he still sees the media which some professional athletes may try to avoid the media but other than that, I just I have no use for anything. It's not good enough. It's not competitive enough. He doesn't give the team a, a chance to win, as did Price tonight. Uh, the starting pitching in the last, I think, six starts, according to ESPN tonight, it's like a 10.98 ERA. And we're gonna we're gonna probably talk about the bullpen as we always do with how Dombrowski failed to make a move. But look, if you can't turn it over to the bullpen with a lead, that's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is Chris Sale, David Price, the fact that of all these not starting games, that Kashner's not has not been a plus. Uh, Porcello sucks, and Erod, who's been your best pitcher, had an ab- an aberration, had a bad start. So this whole thing's a goddamn dumpster fire led by our fearless leader, Christopher Sale. What about? How he left the game on Saturday, I, I mean, the umpire was not good. And I'm not going to deny that. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that he was on point. But regardless of how bad the umpire is, the last thing I want to do is see my starting pitcher, regardless of who it is. In that case, it was Sale. Losing his shit out there and completely losing composure. He still got tagged for nine hits, okay? Because he couldn't he couldn't lock it in, and I just that that's a sign to me of a team that just doesn't have their heads on straight right now, and is an extra step further away from figuring it out. And I just, I don't like to see it. I'm not a big blame the umpire guy. I'm never a blame the umpire guy unless it's full count, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, and you throw one on the black and they call the ball and you lose the game because of one call. That That's maybe acceptable, but at the same, in that hypothetical, I'd also say don't load the bases. Don't don't go to a three two count with the bases loaded. I, I totally agree. I think it's bullshit. Oop. Dollar in the swear jar. Well, it wasn't um, the F word. Uh I think it's BS that uh umpiring should ever come into play. Um frankly speaking, if you're gonna blame the umpiring in any sport, I'm always a proponent of what's l- led up to the fact that you have to complain about the refs. 
what what did the team put themselves in a you know the team put themselves in a bad position and then find maybe a bad call but it that doesn't you know it just doesn't take away from the fact that you're in a you're in a position to fail and maybe the umpiring was a factor in that but you're still putting yourself in that position so ex- excusing the refs the umpires whatever sport you're in um, I just I'm not a fan of it and that's why I don't talk about it if at all on this podcast. I just didn't like I didn't like him getting tossed at the end of the game and getting himself tossed is the way to put it and I just feel like if he's not gonna if he's not gonna leave the mound and, and hold himself accountable from that very moment, I don't give him any credibility when he cops out in in the post game interview and says, "Yeah, I just I just wasn't good tonight." Next question, you know, because that that's all we're hearing lately, and the only difference is is he's putting it on the umpires, and I just I just don't like it. I don't like anything that I'm seeing right now from this starting pitching rotation. Matt, do you have any more thoughts? Yeah, I know. Uh... You know, we we talked earlier, and and uh, Jeremy said he didn't want to repeat himself, but I'll, I'll repeat something he said. Uh, I think it was last last podcast. You know, you hear Sal come out and say, "Oh, I sucked. Uh, I was just not good." You hear it every game, and he said, "You know, you hear it again." At some point, you start rolling your eyes. This is this is the point where we start rolling our eyes. It's it's just it's ugly. I get it. I get he's frustrated. Nothing's really working. The control is just not there this year. And it, you know, I I still hold out hope that this is just an aberration year with him, where where he's down, similar to what we saw with Verlander a few years ago when everybody proclaimed Verlander is done. Um, the strikeout rate is still there. A lot of the peripherals are there. He's just getting hit harder. Um, he's he's on pace. I think he's like three home runs behind uh, his, I believe it's his career high given up. And, and we still have a lot of baseball to go. I mean, he's he's probably going to blow past that this year. It's just not good. I, I don't understand it. Um, like I said, the, the, the K rate is still like top three. Um, so he's got the swing and miss stuff. He's just... Guys are hitting it this year, and when they hit it, they're hitting it hard, and it's just not there. And I'm sure it is frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating for us to watch. But you're right. You know, you don't want to see losing his composure on the mound. But at least somebody's showing some emotion. I guess I'll give him that. Uh, the rest of the team just looks like they're they're going through the motions at this point. I mean, uh, you had mentioned the offense being. Uh, the best in baseball. While that was true coming in, I mean, we're looking at a team that's. You know, uh, game one, they went three for 30. Game two, they went five for 32. Game three, they went eight for 34. So far, they're six for 21 tonight. I mean, yeah, right now, Bogarts is 0 for 14. I mean, it's, it's the guys that were hot aren't even hitting now. And it's not like they were going against the Houston Astros rotation here. They're going against the Yankees, who have been just brutal. Um, they've been on par with the Red Sox rotation as is one of the worst in baseball lately, and, and here we are. They all look like Cy Young out there. So, I mean, it's frustrating with Sale, but this whole team is just, it's brutal to watch. Um, I, I don't think I have anything more to add other than that. 
One uh, final question uh, that comes to mind before we do move on. If Chris Sale were pitching like a top-of-the-rotation pitcher, I'm not going to say like Cy Young type stuff, but, you know, uh, a perennial top-of-the-rotation guy, and he was pitching to that right now, wouldn't that force the rest of the starters in the rotation to up their game? You would think so. Because uh, if he's probably, if, if, if he's floundering, then they're like, oh, well, you know, we are too, and and that's that, you know. But if he's locked in and he's walking around like you guys need to get it together, I just feel like I just feel like the team performs, you know, almost to the level that Sale performs, and and when he's not performing, you know, no, no, well, Erod, I guess, is, but he he's been the one exception. Where Price sucks, I'm Marcello sure. sucks. Yeah, and I'm not sure that Price would follow lead no matter what. I think he's just on his own planet doing his own thing anyway. So. Uh, but, yeah, in, in theory, you would think that the rest of the guys would kind of follow behind and kind of be the star, uh, the stopper, and, and he would be the guy that would be able to take some of the pressure off the other guys. But right now, it's, uh, you know, that's that's definitely uh, not the not the case. So, but, hey, on the bright side, just another update. The Red Sox are making a game of this. Maybe it's not going to be a sweep. It's seven to four now. <laughs> I told you I'd jinx it with my Periscope uh, title, but so be it. Yeah, I just feel like with Price specifically, you know, if if Sale was performing and then Porcello was at least, you know, on his seasonal average and things were honed in on Price, you know, the scrutiny and everything, I just feel like, I just feel like he would be forced to up his game. But because they're all sputtering, you know, nobody's nobody's really kind of taking a lead here and and so on. And I guess there was a team meeting. Well, there was supposed to be one uh, on, let's see, Friday night, and then it didn't happen. Probably because Price was supposed to do the meeting. He went on paternity leave. And I'm, I'm not being facetious. I mean, I, I think that's what happened. And then they did have a meeting yesterday, players only, and uh, – you know, hasn't hasn't amounted to anything. So, well, you know what the players' meeting was about, right? Uh, Fortnite tournament. I was thinking October first vacation. <laughs> I would go to the Bahamas. Let's play some golf, guys. Uh, you know, I mean, this thing, this thing, especially after they lose tonight, um, and the wild card teams are winning. The A's are winning. Um, obviously, the Central is going to be, I think, the most exciting race between the Twins and the. Indians, um, and then the Devil Rays are better than you, or better than us, or however you want to phrase it. So, um, you know, there's just no chance, in my opinion. I'm, I've long resided. It's uh, I tweeted my first college football tweet tonight. Twenty game, uh, twenty days until U Miami opens up uh, at Florida. So, we have some stuff to uh, us sports fans um, have some other stuff to look forward to. But this season sucks. It's been exactly what we thought it would be since basically game ten of the season. They've done enough to keep us interested with many runs against bad teams and then what happened last week. But it's the same story 
written by the same author on the same piece of paper with the same header. It's just the same thing. They're, they're, it just it deserves to be this way. Cora, um, Cora was not the right manager for this season. I, I, I'm not saying fire him. I'm not because I like him as a manager. But he handled this thing so pathetically. Um, even last week uh, when they finally uh, showed some signs of life, he was so quick to be like, it's, it feels like last year again. And everyone get all excited, including myself. And holy shit, maybe... You know, maybe this we're on to something here. But again, he just can't let go of last season. It, for whatever reason, his personality doesn't fit the idea of potentially trying to repeat, and they're not going to. So it is what it is. Um, you know, pathetic. Pathetic from the top down. A-Rod had a, a, a comment today. He said, this team's been okay, and I'll tell you why. The left side of the infield's been unbelievable. They're probably the best left field in all uh, left side of the infield in all of baseball but everybody else has been just okay and as a result this team is just okay and um, I, I just couldn't agree more by the characterization by Arod in that in that I think it was like the fourth inning um, sale had a, a 7.74 era in his last seven so big time. Um, you know, bad streak there. Uh, Price was down to a 270 ERA. He's now at a, a 4.36. Probably could very well end up being his career worst season. How do we feel next year with these guys? Basically, still being the number one and two, we don't know about Porcello. We don't know about Kashner. Erod will be there. I mean, I'm starting to get concerned about next year at this point because I don't think. Do you guys think we're going to load up? You know, on Garrett Cole, where the Porcello money comes off, and maybe a JD opt out. I think that uh, Cole is going to go to the Yankees. I mean, he's been long rumored to be going there. Um, it's either there or on the West Coast. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're going to go after him. I mean, granted, there's some other options out there. I, I believe Kluber is available. Um, I think Verlander is available. There's going to be guys, but I mean, they've put all their their eggs into that rotation. Uh, it's the highest paid rotation right now, and it's not paying dividends. So. You know, with with Sal, I do think Sal bounces back. I'm not sure what's up with Price. I mean, Price looked good the first half of the season, but he's just absolutely fallen apart from you know the well, basically since the X thing. Um, I saw. I think it was Ian Brown that that had put it out there that uh, he uh, he basically uh, the Price has. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was Jim Passan. Uh, he has a. a uh, Nine, well, this was a different one. I apologize. He has a 961 ERA in eight games versus the Yankees uh, since he came over with the Sox. I don't understand that part. I mean, that's, this is kind of a different thing. But, I mean, they, they got this guy to be the big game guy, and he had a three-something ERA against the Yankees back in the day, you know, prior to coming to the, the Red Sox. And now all of a sudden he can't do anything, and, and the guy's getting crushed. But, um uh, the Eckersley one uh, that I saw is he's he's got a 10.59 ERA since that uh, 
since that whole thing blew up with Eckersley. Uh, not very good. Uh, he was pitching fairly decent, but now all of a sudden it is just real ugly, and I'm not sure what's up with him. And and I feel like I, I'm always concerned with injuries on him. Um, I do think that Devaldi slots back in. Again, there's always injury concerns with him. Uh, I don't know. It's a big wild card. I, I think that's the biggest concern going into next year is how those guys perform. Uh, it's part of me still believes that this is kind of a perfect storm of a lot of guys having just horrible years and all of them doing it at the same time. It's kind of the antithesis of last year where it was a magical season that everybody seemed to have career years. It's just not the case this year. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a kind of a bounce back to the norm. Um, and it's somewhere in between these two years where we're looking at, uh, maybe a 90 to 95 win season. And, and these guys kind of go back to their career norms. I just think that we've seen two extremes these last two years. And I think that's what makes it so frustrating. I mean, the Red Sox don't win. You know, I've seen a lot of people out there complaining, well, Red Sox fans that are quitting and complaining about it. You just won a world series, blah, blah, blah. The, fr- the frustrating thing is to see the talent on this team and see it's basically the same team that, that had record setting wins last year minus a couple guys and and they're just they look like complete trash and uh i think that's a difficult thing for everybody to swallow is this is uh, nearly the the same exact theme so we all know the talents there and 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 i do i I think they they kind of revert back to somewhere in between 2018 and 2019 so at least that's you know my thought on it and and my hope otherwise yeah if they stay like this obviously we're in big trouble uh, excuse me, Evaldi could definitely go into the uh, rotation. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it because I, I just don't trust his durability, but I'm sure they will look at that as a viable uh, possibility. A couple of names you mentioned. Justin Verlander actually signed a two-year extension, which kicks in next year at $33 uh, million a piece. So he's controllable through the twenty. 21 season uh, with the Astros and Kluber is listed as a free agent next year, but he does have two option years uh, that the Indians could pick up one for 17 and a half million in 2020, 18 million in 2021. So I would assume they will likely pick those up, especially where they're not going to deal with a uh, $20 million arbitration price tag uh, any longer for Trevor Bauer. So those are two names that I do expect to stay put. Uh, It is basically just Garrett Cole and Madison Bumgarner that are the two top names on the market. Everybody else is a a mid to lower rotation name. So I don't really expect the Red Sox to to be players on either one. You did mention the Yankees and they're like three or 4 million already over the luxury tax as it stands. So I think it would be a a pretty tall order. I think Garrett Cole is looking at about 30 million a year for however many uh, years, probably I would say at least five. So I, I would be shocked if if the Yankees really got in on him given their situation. And I think Judge comes up on uh, arbitration for the first time, and he might 
break the record for first year um, arbitration eligible players. So I think with the Red Sox, who we have is who we have, you know, barring just taking a flyer on a, you know, a lower rotation guy. So as far as my position for next year is I, I think a lot of it is dependent on the team's decision on what to do with Mookie. Um, my position is offer him the 10 for 300, let him turn it down, do it publicly, you know, basically do it through the media. So you protect yourself and you, you, you show the fan base that you are willing to pay the guy and then trade him. And if you do that, then you, you have the ability to fill multiple holes with one player because he's that good and he's going to command that, that much, um, from one stupid team, whether it's the Mets, the angels, the Phillies, you know, whoever it could potentially be. Um, and notwithstanding that, you know, you still have a bunch of talent. I mean, you still have Chavis and the, the pitching, I think will be better next year after not having to pitch the extra innings in the playoffs. Cause they won't have to do that. And I do think strongly about shutting them down as soon as you consider yourself out of it, which may be in a week. Um, I really do think a, a, a fake disabled list trips, whatever it takes. Um, to get these guys to not throw in September and then let them get instead of shortening their off season by a month, like they did last year, extend it by a month by shutting them down as soon as possible. So I do think the pitching will come back stronger. Um, there's going to be a, a money freed up, um, uh, based off Pablo. Um, we'll see what happens with Pedroia. And the Red Sox will spend the money. It's not like they're just going to sit on the cash. They're going to spend the money. They're going to do what they do to get better. And I think they'll they'll hopefully have someone else build a bullpen other than Dombrowski. Um, and I think with the young core of talent, I think they'll be a lot better next year. I think they'll be hungrier. And I think that core can go back to being the manager he was last year and not who he tried to be this year. Um, so, I mean, I'm not necessarily down on it. Uh, now, to the to the point that... We're not allowed to bitch and complain about a team underperforming. I have two main comments with that. One, I was just about to swear. Um, <laughs> respectfully, go pound sand. This is Boston. This is a city that demands greatness from all teams. This is a city that shows up and sells out all four buildings. They bang out Nesson. They bang out NBC Boston for the Celtics. They show up and watch the games in person. They travel um they watch the nationally televised games like i'm sorry this fan base deserves to have a winner every year based on the amount of time money and effort put into all four teams the red sox don't get a pass because they won a world uh, a world series they just don't in fact in point number two when you bring the exact same team back there can't be any excuses not that you need to win another world series to have it be an enjoyable successful season but you can't do this, which is be out of it potentially by the middle of August. I mean, it's pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic. And for the people that are chirping, uh, anyone who is disappointed and shows that, um, I mean, they're the idiots, not us. I'm sorry. I refuse to believe that we're the idiots. They're the idiots. You know, we, 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 they, they get a pass because they want to work. What? What? They still spent over $200 million on this roster. You think management's like, whoop, whoop. Too bad, you know, I guess we'll just, uh, you know, we'll let this one go because we, no, 
They just spent $200 million on a roster that may not win 80 games. I, I, I refuse to, to listen to that fan, whoever it is, hypothetically. You should demand greatness. You should from your $200 million roster who just won a World Series. You should. It's pathetic. And anybody who's a, a fan base, go go pick up sticks and, and play tiddlywinks because that's, I think, the activity for you. And just to underscore that, if anybody wants to know what the numbers are, uh, the Red Sox payroll currently sits at approximately $240 million. The payroll for the Tampa Bay Rays is $60 million. So the Red Sox are spending $180 million more to also suck more. So that's, uh, that's that. Uh, w- one other point here. I mean... I'm annoyed that there's no way Dombrowski's getting canned. Like I'm, I'm annoyed. Totally that agree. It's it's basically a formality that we have to let him at least start next season, and and that just he's a, he's a lame duck guy going into next year because his contract is up, and. If John Henry's a smart man, he he knows he has to know that you gotta have you know a a twenty 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 is in the year twenty twenty mindset when it comes to roster building that so many of the top teams have embraced and you know executed and we've got a nineteen nineties GM in there and. It's just—it's frustrating. And here's the—here's the thing. I'll ask. You know, beyond Dombrowski, and I agree. I think he will be there next year. Um, I will say that I've—I've I've kind of changed my position. I don't even think it would have mattered that if they had added any bullpen help this year at the trade deadline because their their starting rotation has been awful. I mean. Like I like I said in the in the eight games prior to this, uh, their bullpen are their rotation, uh, all of which it looks like they're going to lose this one as well. They're starting rotation, ten seventy ERA, you know, forty four earned runs over a, a thirty seven point uh, thirty seven and a third innings. That's not good. I don't know that the bullpen help would have done much for them. That said. You know how much of a, a message did it send to the rest of the team by not signing anybody? I mean, basically, what they said aren't good enough for us to invest in your team. And I mean, that's a that's a message that your management comes to you and basically says you guys suck. Uh, it's going to resonate in, in some manner, and, and clearly, it's it's done so in a negative manner. It didn't fire these guys up to to prove them wrong. But my question is. Is it time to look at a new pitching coach and and maybe, you know, remove Dana Levangi? I I know last year, yes, they won a World Series with him, but, I mean, they did so despite having a a very weak bullpen at the end of the year. And, and, you know, some of what they had to do last year because of that bad bullpen, and yes, that falls squarely on Dombrowski's shoulders as well. Um, You know, some of what they had to do may have led to the the starters performing so poorly this year. I mean, they they just got overworked like crazy last year in the in the playoffs, but 
That said, you know, none of these adjustments seem to be working for sale or for price, and things seem to be slipping, and the bullpen just looks bad. Everybody's kind of taking a step backwards. There's nobody's – I haven't seen anybody to Dombrowski's statement of fixing guys. I haven't seen anybody get fixed this year. They all seem like they're all broken, and, and they continue to be broken, and we just keep walking out these broken, broken pitchers to get shelled every single night. Is it – you know, do you think this guy lasts much longer, or do you think they they replace him, or are they just going to continue to roll with him? I think everybody is safe until next May or June, unfortunately. And I mean, they should be open to to replacing Levanji if you know if things get you know flushed further into the septic system. Um, you know, I guess the, the other option is to bring in an analytics guy to work with Levanji and, but I mean, they have all the tools, you know, they look at all of the advanced stuff, the heat maps, you know, everything is available to them and they, they just haven't figured it out. So, well, I'm all in on firing that guy and then making price sale erod of valdi and the entire pitching staff feel like shit about it because it's their fault for failures to perform because the guy's a good coach there's no doubt about it the guy he resonates he has resonated with other pitching staffs he is gonna get a job right away um but they should have they should feel that and I'm sorry if he has to be the one to go. I, I do think he's a candidate to be fired because they got to do something. They can't just sit and say, oops, whoopsies, tough, tough year there. We're coming back, though. Everyone's still here. No, like fire him and have sale, take accountability and price, take accountability and understand that he got fired, not because he's not a good coach, but because you sucked You this, 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 you know, $500 million rotation that can't get out of their own way, fails in the biggest moments, has nothing to do with this guy. I'm sorry, but when you're a 10-plus vet and you've won Cy Youngs and won a World Series and pitched in every big game imaginable, the pitching coach is certainly a factor, but he's a bigger factor on guys like Workman, Brazier, Barnes, these younger guys that are still making their bones. The guys that know how to pitch, they, they, Gina Levangie isn't going to be you know, some large percentage of factor in their outcome. He's just not. He's a he's a hand holder. He's let's look at film and make sure everything's good. That's all he's doing. So fire his ass and then everyone can turn and ether these punks for letting that shit happen. And I'm sorry because the guy's a good coach and I I feel a little bit bad about and everyone I don't want people to get fired because we all have families and stuff we gotta provide for. Um you know, some people uh, make poor bets and they can't afford shoes for their children. And I don't want that for the pitching coach. But at the end of the day, he's got to go and it should create some hopeful accountability on the pitching staff. Uh, uh, with all that said, probably not. And they'll suck again next year. I have his uh, bio in front of me. And uh, admittedly, I'd never looked at it until now. I knew he had been in the organization for a little over 20 years, but he was the bullpen catcher for the Red Sox from 1997 through 2004. He then worked as a scout for the Red Sox uh, for eight 
uh, seasons beyond that. And then in 2013, uh, the same year Farrell came in, he was named the bullpen coach and then held that until Alex Cora got here when he was named the pitching coach. And the reason why I'm pointing this out is even if they fire him, it should be easy enough to just kind of slide him into another role, which I'm sure he would serve a good purpose for. And, you know, the first thing to go generally is the pitching coach. And they should be open-minded, you know, going forward. Did I lose you guys? No, No, I'm here. I was going to defer to Matt because I had just... You know, it was well. Matt brought. But I think he's. I think he's. I think he's still reeling from my chirp about five minutes ago. So. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here too. I, I'm, I'm crying a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, we're. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I agree. They, they might demote him or move him to a different role. Um, I, I don't know that it's. It's tough to say. I don't know how much of it falls squarely on him. I'm, I'm looking more. I mean, to, to Jeremy's point. Guys like Sal and Price, for what they're getting paid and what their track records are and how long they've been successful in this league, they probably should know how to pitch without Dana Levangi teaching them. Um, but I, I do look at those guys like the Braziers and, and you know some of these young guys and, and, and the relief arms, trying to get those guys fixed. It, it seems like outside of Workman, they really haven't had anything successful this year, and it's just... It's been a just a disaster, both starting and bullpen. I mean, they they've got one of the worst ERAs in all of baseball, and yet their, you know, their rotation is the highest paid in baseball. So, I don't know. I, it just seems like something's they they've got to shake something up. I, I really think they probably needed to do it. Well, probably about a stuff to say to do it a week ago because a week ago they we were all thinking that they were still in it, but. I, I would guess if they get swept today, that somebody is going to have to be the sacrificial lamb. Uh, they just got to make a move. If nothing else, it's just going to be for show for the fans to say, hey, we're not quitting. We still care about the season. But I think we all know the season's pretty much over. But you can't just keep rolling these guys out to get shelled. It's, uh, I don't know, they, they've got to shake something up somewhere, I think. What if they just do like a mini massacre? I don't think we're counting out the Red Sox at this point. I, you know, they're six games out, probably about to be seven out if, you know, the teams ahead of us won. Um, but I don't know that, that they're waving the white flag just yet. So, like, what if Moreland does get DFA'd? And how savage would it be to, to get rid of Holt? I think that is the biggest impact thing they can do. You know, because he doesn't have a big contract yet still has a huge influence in the clubhouse. Like, would they have the balls to do something like that? I don't know that they they would, and I I don't know that it would really benefit them because Holtz, I mean, Holtz still, to your point, he's a clubhouse guy. I think they want to bring Holt back. Uh, if they can get him on a, a deal that's reasonable, I think they, they will bring him back next year. So I can't see them really getting rid of him. And 
you know, as far as Moreland goes, um, I don't even know what what it means this year now with the new uh, the new rules in place. If they if they DFA somebody, they can't trade him for anything, correct? So he's they just have to get rid of him for nothing. Which I mean, granted, chance he's his contract's up at the end of the year anyhow. But I, I don't know if it would make any sense. I don't know that you know those guys are the issues. I don't I don't know who. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know who the issue is there as far as that you could actually legitimately get rid of right now. So um, I, I don't think it'll happen. Uh, I definitely don't think that Brock Holt will be the guy because I think the fans may turn on him. I mean, he's still a fan favorite. Guys love him. He's he's still out there trying to keep guys. You see he had like a dance-off before the, before the game today. He's trying to keep guys light. He's trying to keep things going. So I can't see a guy like Holt being let go. Or even Moreland, because you know both those guys are kind of—they seem like positive clubhouse influences. I don't know that they're, and, and maybe we find out after the season that there are some cancers in the clubhouse. You know, kind of like the chicken and beer situation that they had a few years ago that led to Francona basically getting let go. You know, who knows? I, I guess we we won't know until later on. But I have to, I have to, I have to just jump in here. I could give two flying bleeps about clubhouse guys right now because your clubhouse guys are about to fall to seven games back in the wild card and a hundred games back in the East to the point where I'm not even looking anymore. So if you're worried about keeping clubhouse guys in the clubhouse to go 81 and 81, then we're all just not paying attention or, or the club is missing the boat on what it's going to take to get back to where they need to go. And look, Moreland, by all accounts, is likable. He's got that stupid Texas Texans, uh, you know, Texas, uh, whatever it's called, draw or what. Nice guy, you know, hits, you know, one month out of the year, plays plus defense. Don't dislike him, but he's not in the future. Bye. Holt, I, I, Holt, I think they'd want to resign. And I think there's going to be mutual interest there. Uh, so a guy like Holt, I do see sticking around, but if you like Pierce is not going to be here, there's no reason for him to still be on the roster. And if they call him up and give him at bats, then, you know, uh, unless there's some miracle and they just rip off 10 games and get back in it, which isn't going to happen, but let's say that happens fine. He's definitely a plus a bat against a, a lefty, but other, I mean, like take your expiring contracts and just get rid of them. And give guys like Dahlbach some at bats, and and you know call C.J. Chatham up and get him some at bats. And even though he's not ready, give him that. You know, this is the sort of year where you do that, where you give some guys a look to give them a taste of Fenway Park, to keep them hungry, to make them want to come back. It, it, you can make a positive out of what has been a, a tremendous negative. Um, the same with. You know, and the, the cupboard is bare with arms. But if you have some guys you want to give a look to, you know, then move on from the expiring contracts in the bullpen and give guys a look. Um, I, it's just where I am with it. I don't think, um, obviously, with the no secondary trade uh, deadline, that that sort of, you know, those deals aren't going to happen. So the guys that are here are here. Your, Mookie's going to be here till the end of the year. Uh, you know, guys under contract aren't going anywhere. Um, so, and I don't think they have any other DFA candidates besides Pedroia, and we all know that they're just not going to have the balls to do that. So, um, as far as a fire sale, so to speak, 
Um, I'm okay with every expiring deal, but probably Holt because I want Holt back. Um, and, and so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think they they could still bring him back, and and if he didn't, if he wasn't on an expiring deal, I wouldn't advocate for him, you know, being on that block. But it's it's a minor detail. I mean, I, I guess I, I don't have too strong feelings either way. But I think that is the most impactful one within reason that they could do if they wanted to. And Jeremy, just to kind of piggyback off one of your points, you kind of was going to go where where I was thinking you were about to go. I don't care to see Brock Holt playing patty cakes, you know, before before the game, you know, trying to get guys revved up, you know, unless they're thumping their chest and, you know, acting like, you know, they, they, they're about to bring it. That's all I'm interested in. You know, I was never big on wind dance or Pete and thank goodness they scrapped that. I just want to see these guys focused because I don't want to be entertained right now. I want to, I want to win. And that's not happening. Uh, sorry, I just wrestled my mute button there for a good three seconds. Um, I totally agree. The patty cake, patty cake, baker's man, happy horse shit should go away because they suck. And I'm all for loose clubhouse, but it, to me it just winning. seems kind of... I'm sorry? I said only if they're winning. Well, it doesn't have to be... You don't have to be a 108-win team to have fun in the clubhouse. I just think that at some point you have to have... You have to understand that people are watching. And the way this thing's going, going into tonight, you shouldn't be jumping around patting each other on the ass. You just shouldn't. And I know that we're not in the clubhouse and we can't speak to what it takes to be ready and stay even and not too high and not too low and all that, you know, cliche stuff. But I've been, well, I don't want to use my own personal examples because I never obviously played at this level, but um, it just seems to me as an outsider looking in that it's cringeworthy and it's hard to understand why we care more than they do sort of thing. Um, because that's what it feels like. And trust me, when JD hits a home run and you're winning six out of seven and they're hugging and it's great, it's great fodder for the internet and everything else, but where they are now and where it looks like they're going, it just eye rolls and it's kind of difficult to watch. And so I hate hesitate, I hesitate, but I do agree with you. That's the fourth time this episode. Jeremy has agreed with Terry. Uh, don't don't talk about yourself in the first place. <laughs> that was precious. Um, one final. Not how I would characterize it, but all right. <laughs> one final thing to get you guys' opinion on, and then we will mercifully move on to the Royals uh, preview. Um, I'm not. I'm officially neutral on Alex Cora. I'm not, and that's how I've been, you know, most of the year. If you if you see my tweets, you think that I'm I'm anti Cora, but but I am neutral, and I don't know if I will be, you know, by this time next season. But I'm tired of him saying we need to play better. I want to see 
a tweet that gets leaked out into everybody's Twitter feed that Alex Cora destroyed his office and went off on some guys. I wanna I want some hardcore concrete evidence that he's holding these guys accountable because I don't know that he is. Yeah, it, I, I don't I think he that. is. It, it's I wanted to see him, you know, I know him getting thrown out of the game yesterday, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, showed a little bit of emotion. I'd like to see something from somebody, I, even one of the leaders. I don't care if it's, you know, it's it's starting a brawl in a game or whatever, just to get these guys fired up and, and show some life. Somebody's got to do something to spark it. It seems like there isn't that guy to really fire him up. I mean, we saw this a little bit last year in the playoffs where guys look flat and, and Chris guy to rip into everybody and he was going nuts in the dugout it seems like they need that moment just to spark somebody because everybody's just flat right now it seems like uh, they're just indifferent or complacent or whatever it is and and it's ugly i mean the results are ugly when you're like that and and some of it may be you have some real even keeled guys on this team that that don't show a lot of emotion they're just kind of Go out, do their job. You don't hear a lot from them. It's There's not a lot of outspoken guys. One of the only real outspoken guys, well, I mean, Pedroia's not around anymore. He's, you know, he's going to be retired. You got David Price, but he does it in a way that's detrimental to the team. There's just not really those guys. I mean, Brock Holt is a little bit, and, and he's kind of a character, kind of the funny guy, would have been like a kind of a throwback to the, the band of idiots that they had. Um, so it's it's a little bit different different team that way. So it's tough. You want to see somebody give give a spark, and even Cora. Cora's kind of the even keeled guy, which is good at, at some points. I mean, you you want to be able to keep that during the the peaks and valleys of the season. But when your season's falling off the cliff, you, you do you want to see somebody tear something up or, or really get into it. And maybe maybe that's what Sal thought he was kind of doing yesterday with getting thrown out of the game. I, I don't know. It, it just didn't play that way. Um, but but I agree with you. You do want to see somebody give a little bit of a spark and really light something up. And so far, no, nobody's been able to do it. And it's it's pretty, pretty boring out there. Here, here's my problem <laughs> with Cora specifically. He when he talks about his manager's managing style, he talks about he's very laid back and very even keeled, and he talks about how he doesn't show motion, whether it's a it's a home run to take the lead or a home run to lose the lead, which describes him one hundred percent. I mean one hundred percent. They they were down seven nothing today. Price just laid an absolute oh almost swore again an absolute <laughs> bleeping egg. And by the way, credit to me for the restraint tonight. Credit to me. I'm, you guys won't give it to me, so I'll, I'll give it to I'll myself. I'll give you but, credit, Jeremy. I'll give it to you. Uh, thank you, Terry. That was big of you. Um, and then they pan to the dugout, and he's sitting there emotionless, just blinking. And it's just like so like on brand for Alex Cora. Good leaders, in my opinion, and obviously the manager, and everyone says it. You know, your manager, your head coach, your you know whoever it may be, the head of the of the system usually gives the personality for the balance of the system. And that's why I was talking about earlier today when I said he was great for last year, not great for this year. Um, There needs to be a a candle lit underneath these athletes' asses, and it hasn't happened. 
like we've all been whether it's athletics or business or our professions or whatever may be the case we've all had different leaders right we don't need to just apply major league baseball to this to, to what i think i'm trying to explain you know whether it be a, a difficult class in high school or college or you were playing sports in high school or college or you know your current profession leaders see the people that follow them and then make determinations that are best fit for the situation good leaders will yell at their followers to get them to be back where they need to be and then when they're doing the good thing they'll be even keeled the 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 leader has to fit into the situation needed for the system it's just that's what being a leader is is understanding what your people need and then doing that and being the guy that's capable of whatever is needed is needed that's not alex cora He's just going to sit there blinking down seven. He is. And maybe they're getting that from Sale in the dugout or Porcello who broke two TVs at Fenway last week or whoever is the ancillary leaders. But from Cora, they're not getting it, and it's not working. Period, end of story. And no one can disagree with that. No one. I do not, for the record. Um, And to kind of piggyback on it again i mean he's coming into next season with i think the jury's still out you know how how is alex cora as a problem solver because he failed miserably this year and i'm not sure he really had problems last year everything worked itself out so you know, I, I give him till probably the end of June next year, and then my mind's going to be made up one way or the other. You know how I feel about him as a manager. Yeah, I mean, he definitely gets next year, and and I think he'll go back to being the right guy for the team when they don't have to worry about repeating. But he didn't have the he didn't have the. Um, the fire, the personality just didn't meet what this team needed. It just didn't. He handled it poorly. I called it in the first week when he was still talking about last year and we were one and seven. Uh, last week when we finally seemed like we were turning a corner and he's like, it's starting to feel like last year. Mother bleeper, shut up. No one cares about last year. Have you been? Has anyone been following the Patriots in training camp? Not a single media member, not a single coach, player, fan, Literally nobody is talking about the fact that they just won a Super Bowl five months ago. Not a single person anywhere near the team. What? What? Why can't you just move on? Even last week, he's talking about last year. What is your problem? It doesn't fit what this team needs, Alex. It's exhausting. He gets a huge part of the blame, in my opinion. Huge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's uh, just go ahead and uh, talk some Kansas City Royals. Hopefully, this is the medicine that the Red Sox need. You know, unless of course it is terminal, and you know, no medicine can help except for probably morphine. But we'll we'll not get into that. Um, first thing, I mean, every single one of these pitchers we're gonna face has an ERA over five. The pitcher we're facing tomorrow, Mike Montgomery, is one and four with a six point three four ERA. 
So, you know, him and Porcello are essentially two peas in a pod, you know, in terms of the types of year that they're having. So each one's kind of looking to, you know, rebound off the other one's misfortunes. Jeremy, how, how do you see game one? Or what are your expectations? All right. My initial reaction is we're probably going to get shut out by this bum. Um, lefty, you know, they're, they're so bad, though. The, the Royals are so bad. They're so pathetic. They're a top, or I should say a bottom three team, you know. Um, and you're back at Fenway. I, I see this game probably like 11-4, to 4, Red Sox. Um, and they, you know what they're going to do is they're probably going to sweep the Royals, in my opinion, and, and give the people that aren't 100% convinced some glimmer of hope, <clears throat> Matt. Um, <laughs> so um, that's how I see this thing happening. Mike Montgomery is probably not even a big league pitcher. Um, I know he's kind of working his way back up because I think he missed some time, if I remember correctly, and so he's been kind of limited with his his pitches. So I don't know if he's going to be, have a hundred, uh, in his golf bag tomorrow. Um, but then the flip side is Rick Porcello. And when I say this guy has sucked, I mean, this guy has just sucked. So, I mean, you, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. Uh, hopefully it's six and three. I mean, they, they need long starts because the bullpen has just been taxed with the double header yesterday. And then prices will quote unquote effort tonight. Um, and I think Rick's the right guy. And even if he gets shelled and he gives up five runs, he'll get you six or seven innings just because he knows what the, that's what the team needs. And I respect that out of him. But uh, I do think they're going to beat him, uh, Montgomery, and beat the Royals in this game. And I think they're going to uh, show something in this series. I think they're going to take out their frustrations on a team that's really not a big league team. Matt, go ahead. Ah. Uh. I've been pretty good at, at predicting this so far. <laughs> I think I predicted a sweep for the Red Sox last time. So, uh, I don't, do you guys even want my opinion on this? Is it even is it even worth anything? I uh, I don't even know, man. I, I it, it's tough. I I don't see Porcello. I don't see him doing anything. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. I could see this being an eleven eight game going either way. Uh, I could also see the way the Red Sox offense is going right now, them getting shut out. I I just don't know. They're so inconsistent across every level of of baseball and every facet of the game right now that I can't even predict it. I mean, their offense was a juggernaut, uh, you know, prior to uh, these Rays and – and the Yankees, the last two series that they played where they've been swept in both, and all of a sudden the offense can't, can't hit, and the pitching still sucks. Um, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe it's just what they need is to, to go against the Royals pitching at home and, and kind of crank it back up. But I don't have a lot of faith in, in our pitching staff right now, so I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say... I guess to win it 11-8 and probably Porcello goes five innings and gives up six or seven runs in this. But somehow the offense bails him out again. That seems to be 
pretty much the scenario. And and I really did think that maybe Brian Johnson could take his spot in the rotation, but Johnson wasn't exactly great either this last series. So he didn't do anything to really warrant replacing him. There's no real options. Uh, Dombrowski went out and bought, you know, got a bunch of scrubs that were kind of washed up from a lot of other clubs and have bounced around the majors and none of them have really stuck. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll say the Red Sox win 11 to 8 in this one, I guess. Yeah, Montgomery has uh, spent most of the year as a reliever. Um, four starts ago, he went three and a third, two innings uh, in his next start, and then in his last two starts, he's gone five full and four and one third, respectively. So he's just now starting to get stretched out and. I don't know what their plan is for him tomorrow, how short the leash is going to be if he starts to get knocked around early. He did give up four runs in his last start, only one run in his start before that, which actually was against Cleveland. So I'm going to I'm gonna give this one to the Royals just because Porcello's been god-awful for the last – five weeks or so and I I feel a little bit better you know after this game but he's he just doesn't look good and here's something else I just found as I was kind of pawing through some stuff the Kansas City Royals are on a six game losing streak and have lost nine of their last ten so one team is finally going to get a win tomorrow, but I think I think it'll be the Royals tomorrow. So that's my pick. I mean, that's got to be rock bottom if that's what happens, especially if it's like nine to one uh, at Fenway, coming off seven straight losses to Devil Rays and Yankees. Um, and I, you know, I mean, look, at the end of the, the, it's possible. I was about to refute it, but I'm not sure I can. It's certainly <laughs> possible. This team's just so pathetic. And if Matt's right and he hasn't been at all so far in the last week, um, they have no fight left and, and they'll have no fight against everyone. They're not going to discriminate just because the, the Royals are a dumpster fire themselves. So we'll see what happens, I guess. And then you got, I mean, look, game two, Kashner, he's been terrible. He's been absolutely terrible. Um, maybe he he kind of finds his footing here against a really bad team, and and I think we killed uh, Jacob Junis. Uh, was it last month or six weeks ago when we faced him? So I do think they're going to score runs in game two, and I you know I'll probably bet the over in every game in this series, um, except for maybe the Erod start. Yeah, and Junis has gotten knocked around in his last two starts, uh, six, uh, earned, Oh yeah. Six earned runs and four earned runs respectively. And we actually, Oh yeah, we did tag him for five runs, uh, last June. So, uh, he acts, he did get the crap kicked out of him. Uh, Kashner, as you said, Jeremy has not been good. He's got a ERA, above six uh, since coming to the Red Sox. He does have a career 3.29 ERA against 
the Royals. I do trust them a little bit more than Rick Porcello. So I'll I'll put this one in the win column. But, I mean, Kashner, I'm not going to be shocked at all if he goes out there and lays an egg. Uh, Matt, how do you have game two? Um, yeah, I mean, again, I could see this one being another wild one. I, I, I think the only thing that really benefits the Red Sox is the Royals offense is terrible, uh, typically. So, you know, while I say 11-8 in the, the Porcello game, I don't know. I don't know if the Royals have enough firepower to do that. I, I, I think that this is why it leans a little heavier to the Red Sox. So, I don't know. Uh, I feel like we're going to lose at least one of these, though. I, I really do. It could be this one or the first one. I think Erod pitches well enough in the third one. But the offense, again, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I mean, they, they walked a total of um, – uh, they walked, other than the game three of, of the Yankee series, they walked eight times. Other than that, they had five walks. Uh, so far, that includes tonight. Uh, so 13 walks versus uh, they struck out um, 33 times. They're just—they're not even really getting on base via the walk, which is kind of a staple, and that's where they end up doing the damage on the base paths is when they're when they're drawing walks and getting guys, you know. Getting the starting rotation uh, or the the starting pitcher of that game into trouble and, and getting the pitch count up, they weren't able to do that against the Yankees staff that obviously has has had some real issues coming into this series. So, I mean, listen, if if that changes, then that, that could change all of this. And and if the offense clicks, I don't think it matters who pitches for the Red Sox. So. I don't know. I'll, I'll say they lose this one. I don't really have a lot of faith in Kasher. He hasn't really done anything to warrant my faith. So I'll, I'll say this is a loss. All right. Uh, final game of the series. Uh, Glenn Sparkman versus Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, this, you know, we have plenty of reason to feel comfortable about. Uh, Jeremy, you probably have it as a win, I assume. Yeah, I mean, Erod's been the lone bright spot, so um, I just don't see. I don't see this one any other way. Um, I, and I, I think this is a sweep. I really do. Um, I just hearken back to the fact that the Royals are that bad. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can't. I can't really go out there on a limb and, and predict a sweep anymore for the Red Sox. They've lost that right this year. I'm, I'm, they fooled me once. I'm not not going down that one a second time. Well, on paper, it does look like they should sweep them again, and they are terrible. I thought that about the Yankees, and they came in completely lifeless, and that's their rival, and they just got brutalized the, for four games. I mean, they there was nothing. There was there was nothing that looked good. There's nobody in, in in their entire offense that looks good. I mean, you look up and down the, the numbers, and, and it's atrocious. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I think they win this one. Erod has been pretty good. He was actually, other than the grand slam, which did him in against the Yankees, he was he was fairly solid. Uh, the control definitely was not there. Um, you know, he ended up. 
walking six guys, which is never a recipe for success. I did have the strikeouts, but it just, you know, the walks really did him in there. And, and that was a, a big part of that uh, with that grand slam. Um, I think two of the guys on base there were walked. So, but I think he'll bounce back. I mean, if that's that's pretty much one of the worst starts we've seen in probably a month and a half at least for Erod. So, and and it after that he really he did shut him down. So, I think they win this one, um, and I think they take two out of three. I have them winning uh, this one as well. Um, Sparkman did pitch fairly well earlier in the year, uh, five and one third innings, only gave up three hits, one earned run. So that looks good on paper, but he scuffled, uh, pretty badly in his last three starts, giving up four earned runs, eight earned runs and six earned runs, uh, respectively. So I think we're kind of catching him at the right time, and um, I, I, I'll i definitely put this one in the win column uh, for the Red Sox. And just to touch on Erod real quick, because, you know, we didn't earlier, I was, I was impressed with the effort he put in, because of all the starters, he's trying. And even if it's not pretty, he's not losing his... S-H-I-T, and he's he's trying to keep the team in the game. And, yeah, he gave up the Grand Slam early and didn't give up any more runs after that. He walked more people than he struck out by one, and um, but still was, what, one out from getting uh, into the eighth inning. So, you know, at least... At least he put the effort there, so I'm not going to knock him for, for uh, you know, losing that game. But, but you know, I'll 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 take the Red Sox this series two out of three. But let me just pose this question before we wrap. This is the ultimate test to see where we're at right now in terms of like how hopeless is the situation. This is the temperature gauge for that. If we lose two out of three this series, that's like it doesn't get any worse than that. And we've lost eight in a row, so it could potentially be nine or ten in a row before we win one. So I just I'm curious. It's it's very hopeless, extremely hopeless. A nine point eight out of the one to ten scale. But you're playing the Royals. <laughs> I mean, you're playing the Royals. So it's going to be probably like a two point two going into the series, and then back to a nine point eight afterwards against the Angels, who are basically what you are. Minus the fact that they have the best player in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, this the rest of this month should be, you know, outside of Cleveland and Philly, who they play for five games out of the month. The rest of the month, they're playing against teams that are under 500. So, honestly, they, um, you know, it, it should really, <laughs> if they haven't quit on the season, they there is realistic possibility that they could climb back into this. I mean, it's not like they have any real heavy hitters and then 
I mean, listen, September, they've got the Twins, the Yankees, Tampa Bay, Philly, Texas. I mean, they, they've got some tough teams uh, and, and San Francisco, who, who's made a bunch of a run. So, I mean, August, the rest of August here here on out is going to be very telling because if they can put something together, maybe it gives them a little hope going into to September. But if not, September is going to be very brutal for them as they face pretty much everybody they face in September is, is over 500. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do here. Um, you know, I, I will say I'm a little bit happy at least they – kind of scored some runs and did a couple things and tried to claw back in tonight. I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to happen still, but they could have just given up when they were down seven, nothing and done nothing. So there's that. I, I don't know. Uh, it, it'll definitely look, be interesting. Here's my parting thought. I'm going to piggyback off what Matt's saying. The One of the most frustrating thing about this team, this iteration of the Boston Red Sox is that as as much as the starting rotation and the bullpen collectively have caused the pitching staff to underwhelm, this lineup, I think, is first in runs scored, um, and they always fight back. They always find a way to give you a chance. And it's what's kept them in this to be, to, to be 59 and 55, which is what they're about to be. So that that's the other frustrating part is this lineup never wavers. They never give up. They score runs even when they're down. They score runs when they're up. They they score in multiple innings. They put up crooked numbers, and then the pitching staff just bleeps them every time. Just bleeps them every time. And I'd use a hypothetical to to really sell my point here, but I don't want a one star review. So <laughs> a one star review is fine if they leave a comment. Because any comments, it's not- yeah, it's admittedly not appropriate, so I'm not going to do it. I'll tell you off air if you guys are interested in oh, my hypothetical. It's okay. I'm sure you could figure it out, though. <laughs> I will point out, Matt. Our- Matt. Matt definitely has a deprived mind, so he's already over there. Like, oh, I know what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I've largely stayed out of it this weekend. If uh, if you guys didn't notice, well, you guys had a grand old time in the group DM, but. I had a hold on. I had a grand old time. I, it looked like it. I, mean, I like, was. I was. Uh, look, we'll save that commentary for the I, uh, Benny I, I the Best DMs. S- I saw some serious uh, bonding going on in there. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But um, <laughs> one quick tidbit. I about get. A, I get accused. I get accused of uh, causing Matt to not be able to afford sneakers this month for his kids. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't great. You like should, with Matt, with Matt, terrible with bets, sh- terrible, terrible, terrible bets. You don't care about animals or children. <laughs> That's approval. We should release those DMs to the world, by the way, because they are. <laughs> Anyways, no one knows what we're talking about. Let's wrap this thing up. Terry, any last word? We do have one more West Coast swing, which is kind of annoying, is all I wanted to point out about the schedule. Yeah. But anyway. Duck. All right. Good, buddy. Depressing show. Uh, See you guys uh, Wednesday, I believe. Yep. Bye. All right. Have a good, good one. That was episode 157 in the books. Pretty miserable. I don't know what the score is. We decided to do it early because, uh, you know. Why lose sleep over 
a series that was pretty miserable by waiting like we normally do for the final game to end. So hopefully the Royals are the medicine we need. And uh, we'll be back Wednesday for the 158th edition. Everybody have a good start to your work week. If you're on vacation, I'm jealous. Have a good one. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch, he did it, he got it. Here we go, time to party, right here, 3-2. High in the air, he crushed it, it's a grand slam. Swing it and miss, Frank Lee, it's over, the Red Sox have won the world. Championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's